0: Having the mindset where no doesn't mean you need to stop. I mean, uh, it, it, in, in a business context, in a way that's appropriate. You know, if you hear a no, it's like, okay, well, what needs to change in order to make this work rather than the sensation that, well, I'm just bad. This isn't going to happen. I need to just throw this all out. You know, it, it's, it was repeated failure that continued to allow me to adjust my course in a way that allowed me to get to success.
1: Happy New Year, you amazing, abundant leader. I am so excited to be here with you. I am especially excited because you might have noticed if your hearing is very acute, which mine is not. I've got tinnitus. There are certain tones I just can't hear unless I have my hearing aids in. And then I can hear everything, to include my wife's voice. (laughs) You think I'm joking. Seriously, without my hearing aids, I can't hear certain tones. And one of them Unfortunately, or fortunately, depending how you guys want to look at it. (laughs) Sometimes I can't hear my wife's voice clearly when I'm in my office or there's other noise going on around the house. That one is drowned out for some reason. It's very unfortunate, quite frankly. But I actually got a new mic uh, my boys bought me a new mic for uh, Christmas and it's the Blue Yeti I've had my ATR 2100 for almost five years I'm gonna get this thing framed it, it looks beat up it, I've had it for a very long time and uh, it served me well but I'm very happy to have this mic and much more clear voice and hopefully it'll make me sound better <laughs> if, if that's even possible But listen, we're into the new year, and for many people, that is a mark of a new beginning. And that's great if you use the new year as a mark of a new beginning. Some people say, well, I'm going to start Monday, whatever that may be, your new workout program, uh, you're going to start learning a new instrument, you're going to start something new in your business, whatever the case may be. You're going to just kind of try to change things in your life one way or another for some reason or another. And whether that's true for you or not. I would like to share with you what's been my experience in starting anew, really more about setting goals, and more specifically, really about achieving goals. Now, I'm not going to get into that right here, right now, because today's episode is about our featured guest, but I do want to give you the opportunity to take a look at what I've been sharing with some of my clients and in my networking groups that I'm a part of, and I've been sharing goal achievement And this isn't something that you've seen before, I assure you. I take it to a different level. But I think it's important to share with you as Men of of Abundance listeners, because you are abundant leaders. You are people who at least strive to live a life of abundance in family, faith, finances, and fitness. And while there are many strategies and many videos out there and many audios and books that are out there about goal setting and goal achievement, I think I'd bring a little bit of a unique perspective to it, Uh, and it's certainly been helpful for me because this is what I've used throughout my life in achieving the amazing goals that I have and allowed me to be retired since I was 48 and be completely retired at this point and truly living my life of abundance and paying it forward to others, which, by the way, I want to share with you yet again that success is great success is personal. That means that you have been successful in something that you wanted to do for yourself and maybe even for your family. Being a person of abundance, being a man of abundance, and being abundant in general is about paying forward your time, treasures, and or talents. And I'm telling you, the benefits of doing that is tremendous. It gives me great joy in paying it forward And every time I share anything of mine, especially when it's something that I've learned, especially if it's some of my wisdom or technical skills or even time, it greatly benefits me because I learn more from every single conversation. You know, the best way to master any topic is to share it and teach somebody else. And you only know a topic to the extent that you can share it and teach somebody else anyway. So practice abundance. Pay it forward. Pay forward your time, treasures, and talents. That's precisely what I'm doing with Men of Abundance. That's precisely what I'm doing with my Abundance and Prosperity Business Mastery. And that's precisely what I'm going to do right now by sharing with you my goal achievement video. You can find that video at the Men of Abundance Facebook page. If you just search Men of Abundance, Facebook on Facebook, you will find the page and you got to search under page. And there's also the men of abundance, Facebook group. You can also find the men of abundance, YouTube channel where I've also posted that video. So go ahead and go check that out. And you can also find those links in the show notes of this episode and wherever else I post this, uh, this episode and listen, after watching it and soaking it up and taking notes If you feel that it's provided you any sort of assistance, if you feel that it's been beneficial to you, then be abundant in your actions and pay it forward. Share it with somebody else. Post it on your social media. Let other people know that you care enough about them that you're willing to share that kind of information with them. All right, let's get to our future guest. Our future guest today is probably one of the most interesting people you will ever meet. She is a neuroscientist, physiotherapist, mom- former fashion designer and female founder and visionary of an amazing, highly successful tech startup, Muse. Muse tracks your brain during meditation to give you real-time feedback on your meditation, guiding you into the zone and solving the problem most of us have when starting a meditation practice, letting you know when you are doing it right. When she is not reading brains literally or investing in, inspiring, and advising other startups and women in business. You can find her on stages across the world, from TED to MIT to XSSW, inspiring other people to understand that they can accomplish anything they want by learning what goes on in their own mind. Ariel is also the co-host of the Untangle podcast. Men of Abundance, it is my pleasure to introduce you to Ariel, Garton. Ariel, welcome to Men of Abundance. How are you doing today?
0: I am wonderful, and it's a great pleasure to be here, Wally.
1: I appreciate that. Where are you at in the world?
0: I am in Toronto, Canada, where it is a beautiful day in February.
1: (laughs) That's good to hear. That's good to hear. I got a lot of good friends. Actually, a couple of my mentors are down there in Canada as well. So um, I, I look forward to getting there at some point.
0: Well, you're always welcome.
1: I look forward to it. I'd like to start out with an attitude of gratitude. What do you have to be grateful for today, Ariel?
0: I'm alive, man.
1: (laughs) Amen to that.
0: (laughs) I am alive. I got to be born in this world. I got to live and have whatever experiences I did, some good, some bad. And today, at this very moment, I get to live. I get to breathe. I get to look around my son's room where I'm recording this podcast. I get to just be one of the very, very few creatures over the course of history that got to be alive at this moment right now. Isn't it And that is tremendous.
1: That is absolutely tremendous. So many people take such a thing for granted that, uh, you know, they just need to open their eyes and and to see what's what's really going on around them and and how beautiful life is, uh, provided we make all the right choices. I had the opportunity to talk with um, a sheriff in uh, South Carolina last week, and he's one of these characters that, not characters but he's he's um his precinct his department is on this show i don't know if you've ever heard of it called live pd and i told him i said i never really got into this show but my son did and my daughter-in-law and the reason why i bring this up is because my comment to him was the reason why i like watching that show in part it was one because i people get to see what officers really have to go through every day but then it makes me so happy for the decisions that i've made in my life because some of these people just are not making the right decisions. Um, So that's part of life, too, as you said, you know, the good and the bad experiences, we learn something from all of them. And we're going to get into some of that here in a minute. But, you know, before we got started here, I read through your bio and told everybody what you do. But all that's the professional stuff here on Men of Abundance. We like to get to know the person behind the abundance. So if you would, how would you describe yourself?
0: Um, so I am somebody who is very loving. I'm very joyful. Um, I've overcome a lot of my fears, and we're going to talk a lot about that in this episode, I hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a mom of one child, which was very difficult initially, but by the time he's three years old, it's now much easier. And I'm somebody who is tenacious. When I have an idea, I really put myself to it, and I really want to do it. I'm also somebody who's incredibly confident, so I feel, I feel like I can usually do whatever it is that comes my way, even if I can't, which is sometimes a blessing and sometimes a curse.
1: Yeah, for sure, absolutely. Yeah, we're definitely going to get into uh, much more of that conversation, and and you know what, may, why you are so confident in what you do, and it's just um, one of the things that intrigued me about having this conversation with you. But you know. Right up front, let's get right into this because I like to get into this kick in the gut moment. And I ask, what is your biggest kick in the gut moment that you could share with us and really make us feel that? And also one that you learned from that took your life in a different direction or at least had a major impact in your life and where you're at today. So if you could share one of those kick in the gut moments with us and really make us feel that.
0: Sure. I have, I have a number of kick in the gut moments. One, I was raising money for my company. Um, so I'm the founder of what is now an incredibly successful technology company. We make a device that helps you meditate. And there was a time when I was raising money, and we were still a young startup. I'm a small female from Toronto, and it's not I'm not somebody who you'd obviously be investing in as a tech entrepreneur. Um, and I had gone and I'd pitched to VC after VC, and I have no background in finance and I just kept pitching and pitching and I had been coached for what to do I you know knew my pitch was good people were interested in it I just wasn't getting people over the line to close and to actually like give me the money and it was pitch after pitch and I kept learning and learning and the company was running out of money because I just you know there was something about this that wasn't coming through and then on my and I like I felt so deeply this responsibility for all the people that I was um, all the people that I employ that I you know need to find this money so that we can bring this idea to market because it's really good and it's really going to change people's lives and we really need to do it and I was feeling that sense of personal responsibility and and you know almost desperation that arises where like what is going to be the answer how am I going to figure this out and then on my you know, probably 59th pitch. It was to, uh, Lee Keshing, his foundation. He's one of the richest men in Asia. And the owner of the foundation just said, wow, like this is phenomenal. And we believe that you can do this. And she gave me the money. And from there I was able to do a, that was our series. A. I was able to do our series. A. I was able to, you know, pay everybody, go forward with their manufacturer, bring the product to market. Um, But it was one of the most stressful moments of my whole life thinking that I was solely responsible for this venture that I had created that just might not work.
1: Yeah, and that's, um, I, I don't know that level of stress <laughs> at all. That's a whole different type of stress. I mean, I've been through many, many stressful situations, but something of that nature is is pretty incredible. Well, you know, the good thing is, is you already had this mindful mindset going into it that many people don't and um, stresses them out even more. Uh, but uh, my goodness, what did you learn through that whole process? I mean, obviously, you know, there's many stories out there. You you can talk about. I'm a big Disney fan. I was just there last night at Disney World, and uh, the whole Walt Disney story about how many times he pitched his ideas and so on and so forth. Just so many ideas. Um, what what did you what did you personally take away from that process?
0: I learned so much. One is the power of being adaptable. Um, so you know. You put yourself out there, and putting yourself out there can be very, very difficult. And when somebody says no, it can be very painful. But if you don't take the no personally, then you don't get turned off from what it is that you want to do. So I just had this really clear vision that it was possible to make this device, that this technology needed to come to market, that we had a solution that was going to make people's lives better. And I was like, I was unabashed in that. And I would stand there, like, in front of these famous VCs and with brazenly pitch my product and, like, listen to them, build relationship, learn from them. And when they said no, it didn't crush me. They weren't telling – I didn't hear, you know, you're not a good entrepreneur. I didn't hear, you know, you're you're not good enough. I, I never heard that. What I heard was, you know, things that I needed to t- tweak strategically. I heard um, ways that I needed to improve my pitch pitch or how we needed to improve the business model. You know, I asked lots of questions. I built relationships. And actually, the first person that I ever pitched to that said no ultimately invested in me two rounds later. They led my Series B investment. And so having the mindset where no doesn't mean you need to stop. I mean, it, it, in, in a business context, in a way that's appropriate. You know, right. if you hear a no, it's like, okay, well, what needs to change in order to make this work rather than the sensation that, well, I'm just bad. This isn't going to happen. I need to just throw this all out. You know, it, it's it was repeated failure that continued to allow me to adjust my course in a way that allowed me to get to success. And I could have at any one of those points turned back and I just chose not to. I chose to continue to navigate and to learn and to shift and to change and to grow.
1: Right. And a lot of it, there's so many factors involved in this when you're pitching something like that or anything, guys, anything that you're pitching to somebody else that you want something I mean, even as simple as, you know, pitching to the perfect person that you want to spend the rest of your life with, or you think you do anyway, at that point in time, (laughs) you have to basically sell yourself, but you have to, you had to get people to understand and really buy into your vision the whole idea of it the technology is one thing at this point in our world today we know if you can think it you can create it all right pretty much it just it just takes money to do so which was why he was going after that but then you're in the meditation world and even still today there are a lot of naysayers to meditation and i've found that many business owners i talk to a lot of them pretty much get it Uh, i don't know about the c many of the, the Folks that you were talking to, but I found it interesting that the one that did finally invest in you was of Asian descent. And there's been a forms of meditation in the Asian culture for many years. Do you think that had anything to do with that decision-making process?
0: It could have. So when we first started the business in 2010, and I was going around and pitching, you know, in the around then 2010 2011, um, meditation wasn't yet mainstream in North America. So people would look at the technology that could read your brain activity and track it and give you real-time feedback on your brain. And they'd be like, Oh my God, this is extraordinary. And then they would ask me, what's the killer app? And I'd say meditation. And they'd be like, yeah, right. Hmm. Um, well it turns out seven years later or 10 years later, meditation truly was the killer app. We have hundreds of thousands of people all over the world that use Muse to help them start or enhance their meditation practice. And now meditation is everywhere. Like, you know, big ceos do meditation mm-hmm. we now have future investors people invested in our last round who is like the C- C- ceo and president of a massive 1.5 million dollar company um and he uses muse every day and he uses muse with his employees like we're we're now there was all of a sudden this tipping point around 2013 where meditation became popular it's validated by over a thousand scientific studies demonstrating its impact and we're kind of now at the point where everybody in the know knows that meditation was good is good for you and that you should be doing it like brushing your teeth or going to the gym um but right at that moment in time it was just before the trend we were just a little bit early and people were scared to jump in
1: Mm, very good point i'm glad you brought that up because timing has a lot to do with the market and some people are just way ahead of their time, and some are just a little bit too far behind. <laughs> uh, I know a guy actually who's been trying to sell these QR codes. And sell. I'm using air quotes technically because he's not. He's been pushing it and spending a lot of money on it, but there's no money in it, and he's he's stressed. He's just lost so much trying to do this. And I've had personal conversations with him. But there's many other ideas like that out there. Um, but good for you. I mean, y- you were right at that bubble, right at that point in time where it was. You know, meditation was already accepted, but then the technology was a whole different side to it. So. I really, I'm really intrigued because I've heard of Muse before and other, there's many other apps out there that help with meditation. And others have told me about Muse and the technology even before you and I got introduced. Um, how does the technology work with the app and everything else? How, how does all that work and what is it doing for people?
0: Sure. So Muse is a brain-sensing headband that helps you meditate and sleep better. It's very simple. It's kind of like a little Fitbit, but it's on your head. It tracks your brain activity during meditation, and it gives you real-time feedback to actually know what's going on in your mind and if you're doing it right. So everybody at this point kind of gets that meditation is good for you, but meditation can be really hard to do. You sit down to meditate for the first time, your brain's sort of bouncing all over the place. It's never going blank. And you're like, what's going on? Like, what am I supposed to be doing? Am I doing this right? What is this? And there's like no little coach sitting inside your head telling you what to do. And so we realized that we could solve that problem by building Muse. So Muse is a clinical grade EEG, the same uh, uh, brainwave reading device that they'd use in a hospital. It's a clinical grade EEG that tracks your brain activity during your meditation and actually translates your brain meditation into guiding sounds. So you're literally hearing the sound of your own mind when you meditate. It lets you know when you're focused and it lets you know when your mind is wandered. So the metaphor we use is your mind is like the weather. So when your brain's bouncing all over the place, you hear it as stormy. And as you bring yourself to quiet, focused attention, it quiets the storm. So it's basically letting you hear your mind during your meditation to know when you're in the meditation zone, when you're not, and to guide you back there. And then after the fact, you get data. You get charts, graphs, scores that actually show you what goes on in your brain during meditation. So you're actually able to be like, oh, now I get it. I see real data. This is neuroscience. I see what my mind is doing. I can see when my meditation is working and when it's not. Then there are other sensors that track your heart, your breath, your body. And we actually have a new application that also helps you fall asleep.
1: Wow. That The technology and that is really cool because it's you get the instant feedback. I think that's one of the biggest takeaways that I personally get just from the folks that I talk to. A lot of things like meditation and anything else, if you don't see the results, then you kind of get disenchanted with it and give up. Uh, and meditation is one of those things that, one, first you have to be doing it right. Then, two, even when you are doing it right, it takes time to really – feel a, a, in my experience anyway, um, you know, feel the results and see the results in your life and in your body and everything else. But that instant feedback and the charts and the data, that's everything. That is just, especially when you're talking to a lot of business owners and, and entrepreneurs and CEOs, we all want feedback. We, you know, and our feedback many times is uh, leads, income, stuff like that, right? But uh, with our body, not so much. That's really impressive.
0: Thank you. Thank you. And it really works. And once you get the feedback, you're like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Okay, now I get it. And you can chart your progress and see your improvement day on day. Um, It's really a game changer. So what are the good news stories
1: coming out of what you're doing and and how are you paying it forward?
0: Oh, there are so many of them. I mean, we created this because we really felt – so we had this incredible technology – um, and we were trying to figure out what the best use for it was. And we realized that if we could get more people to meditate, we would be doing something good for the world. You know, in meditation, what you're learning to do is you're learning to downregulate your anger, down regulate your fear response, downregulate your uh discomfort. And we realized that if we could teach more people to meditate, we could allow more people to be open, receptive in a state where they were, you know, ready for the experience of abundance and able to be more productive in their life and better in their relationships. And, and so, you know, now that Muse is out, as I said, hundreds of thousands of people use it, it's in five languages. We are constantly hearing amazing stories from people about how this has made their life either a little bit better or a whole lot better. You know, from people who were on stress leave from work who are able to get back to their job, from first responders who use it regularly to deal with the stress of their work, From, you know, moms who are in the park with their kid. I had this lovely mother tell me that for the first time she realized that she was actually able to be present with her kid in the park and not have her mind wander onto the grocery list and other things. Because she now could understand what went on in her mind and make the choice to be there with her child. Um, We just had a study published. So there's lots of also research good news. We had a study published at the Mayo Clinic, and they were using Muse for breast cancer patients awaiting surgery. Mm -hmm. And they demonstrated that these women were able to reduce the stress of surgery um, and improve their quality of life and levels of fatigue through using Muse through it. And they loved it so much, they kept using it well beyond the study. And Mayo Clinic was so excited that they now have multiple other studies with us in different disease states.
1: Very impressive. Listen, guys, you know, a lot of you guys out there, you know, go to the gym on a regular basis, you work your muscles. But many of my close friends uh, in the first responder uh, area, as well as veterans, military veterans, have various forms and levels of PTSD, or I like to call it post-traumatic growth um, I recently heard a new one, which is PTSI oh, which is post-traumatic growth. so sorry to injury. interrupt. That's oh, no, so wonderful. Yeah. I'm
0: stealing that. Post-traumatic growth. <laughs> yes.
1: Just know I didn't coin it. I heard it from somewhere else. I can't remember where. And other people have coined it in, in my name, and I, I can't take credit for it. But... It, the, the point is, is, is you get it, you know, we, it's, if you, if it's a syndrome, and you own it, and you can't do anything about it, but if it, we want to grow from it, we want to grow from the experience. And I recently heard another one, the sheriff I was talking about, he uses post-traumatic uh, injury, PTSI. And in any case, that stuff plays with your brain, it, it's messing with your brain. And it's all about, you know, what the experience, the thing that you experienced, it's a illness, not an illness, it's an injury that that is real, that can't be seen. If that's the case, and we know that that's the case, then the brain can heal it. And the way that you do that is through your thought processes and meditation and prayer, I believe as well, me personally. So it's extremely important to be able to use tools like this, like Muse, to fix the brain, to heal the brain and to heal your thought processes. What are your thoughts on that, Ariel?
0: Yeah, so we all get caught up in various forms of thoughts that do not serve us. So our inside the middle of your brain, you have an organ called the amygdala. And it's the thing that's always scanning for danger. <clears throat> and it's often scanning for danger and ascribing things as dangerous when they're actually not dangerous. And it's producing all sorts of thoughts of fear and uh, scarcity, and it will constantly represent these thoughts to you. And we, most of us, just sort of go through our life with the thoughts that we have in our head and the reactions that we have in our body and we assume that that's the way it's supposed to be. With a meditation practice, what you're doing is you're learning to change the relationship to your thoughts. Rather than the thoughts just happening in your head and accepting it, in a meditation practice, what you do is you say, okay, I see that I'm having a thought And I actually don't need to follow this now. Mm -hmm. I actually don't need to give this thought meaning right now. I don't need to get caught up in it. I can choose to put my attention elsewhere and let go of those thoughts. And this is a thing that is difficult to do and it's difficult to train to do. But when you do it, it is extraordinarily liberating. Mm -hmm. In the context of, so we, you know, in a daily context, we all have difficult thoughts, things that are, Repetitive and frustrating and negative and cause us stress that our brain just continues to return back to because It thinks it's supposed to because it thinks it's trying to warn us of something that's dangerous when really it's not and So when you're able to let go of that and be able to say no actually don't need to take my brain there again for the third time today Actually, this thought is causing me difficulty and no, I don't need to get stuck in it When you are able to let go of that and move your brain elsewhere. It's extraordinarily liberating Mm -hmm. in the context of ptsd it can be even harder because these traumatic experiences we have um, sit outside of ourselves in a way that's not integrated and you know your mind goes to something that is a ptsd trigger and all of a sudden you're feeling it in your body and then you're getting sucked back in again and it's almost as if you are briefly re-experiencing it you're re-traumatized and the process out of that Um, there's several processes. One is being able to safely re-experience the thoughts and feelings in a way that allows you to reintegrate the memory. And that's, you know, best done in a therapeutic context. But then there's the practice that comes every day when you feel the thought or feeling and to be able to say like, no, I don't need to go there again. Actually, I'm safe in this moment here now. Actually, I can take a deep breath. I can tell my physiology that it can actually just calm down and release, that my breathing can slow down, that my heart rate can slow down. You retrain your mind and body to react differently in that trigger moment. And meditation is a deep, deep part of doing that. Relaxing your body, shifting your mind elsewhere, and knowing that you can have control over your experience in that moment.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And then on top of that, there's it does your mind can physically heal your body as well. Um, there's been a lot of research in this and and a lot of proof in that as well. So very, very powerful stuff. I absolutely love it. Um, I just recently, the other day, my, my son and I, he's 10 and just that, that thought process is stuff that still goes through my mind. And I know I may or may not have to deal with, have to keep it is, we were walking. We were heading to – actually, we we're going to see Monster Jam down in Tampa. And as we we're walking down the street, there's a box on the side, right – just right there. It looked like a somebody just dropped a UPS box or, I don't know, uh, Amazon box or something. It was sealed and, and everything. And he went to grab it. And I <gasps> lost my oh. mind. I almost lost my mind. I was like – and I overreacted. I might oh, have overreacted, God. but yeah. I've been in Iraq and other places of the world where that's not something you just go – you avoid it you know when you call the eod guys and they come check it out and it might have been completely safe and no problem but it just brought back a a, a training that i've been through after being in you know overseas for so long um and it startled him and now he he was telling the story the other day to to his mom to to my wife um And it was, she was looking at me like, (laughs) you know, you gotta, you know, but still, it could have still been a a danger, but nonetheless, it was something that came back to me like yesterday.
0: Yeah. You reacted out of trauma. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. 100%. And and
0: that's okay. And you can see it. Mm Mm-hmm. What did you do to calm your body after that moment?
1: You know, I've been doing forms of meditation and and been able to manage my mind and and myself. Um, I just grabbed his hand and we just kept on walking. And I just kind of calmed down a little bit as we were yeah. going. And put my what I did was I put my mind on what we're getting ready to do, which was we going to see monster trucks, you know, do some crazy stuff. <laughs> stuff. So I put myself in, back into that, what I'm getting ready to go do, as opposed to what I had done in the past.
0: Yep, so you put yourself back in the present moment. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Whew, that's a...
1: It's it's see how the mind just I'm sweating right now and I'm jittery so the mind does this kind of stuff to us guys it's super super powerful but we've got to get it under control
0: so take a moment now and let yourself know that you're safe it was just a memory it's just a memory in your body breathe into your body send it peace and love and let it know it is actually safe thank you thank you thank you for sharing
1: absolutely um so we are at the point where we are going to pay it forward to our abundant leaders. Ready to do that? Absolutely. Excellent. So share one
0: to three. Actionable. Sorry, actually, I'm a okay. little emotional here. <laughs> I, <laughs> I am need too. To take a breath. Yeah.
1: You need to calm down a minute.
0: I'm good. I'm good. Okay. I just I was recognizing the power of your story, and it was yeah. really beautiful. Thank you.
1: Absolutely. So share one to three actionable steps that men of abundance can take today.
0: I have so many actionable steps. So the first step is to, when you're in the moment of reaction, stop and notice what you're doing. Stop and see your body's reaction. Stop and see where your mind is and know that you can make a different choice. And in that moment, you may not feel like it, but you can make a different choice. And that's what meditation trains you to be able to do. Once you meditate, it sort of feels like you're slowing down time And so that as the anger starts to rise or the reaction begins, you can see it happening and you can say, actually, I don't need to go there today. Actually, I can take a deep breath. Actually, my body and mind don't need to determine what goes next. I can make a different choice. There is a higher me that can see the scenario. And In meditation, what you're learning to do is you're training your metacognition, the higher you that it can actually see what's going on and make a different choice. One more actionable step. Is do not let fear rule you so we all know the experience of fear and fear is something that can take over us and cause us to react in ways that we do not expect to just like the story that we heard and it's just fear we don't have to give fear too much power because it is just a physiological experience so the next time you feel fear you can allow the feeling of fear to rise But it does not need to determine your next step because often fear is just lying to you. It's just Mm -hmm. a feeling. So you can feel the fear fear rise, fear the fear fall, and then move forward and do what it is that you want to do in your life.
1: (laughs) Excellent. Thank you for that. Of course, meditation is definitely a ritual of yours. But what other rituals and and habits make the biggest impact in your life?
0: Love is the other thing that makes Mm. a big impact in my life. So I will spend time every day, just feeling feelings of love in my heart. And for people who have difficulty doing that, a good exercise is to imagine somebody you love in front of you, like your dog, your daughter, your wife, your mom, whatever it is, imagine something or someone you love in front of you and then feel feelings of love towards them, like beam it to them and like, see it like a yellow, like golden ray of love sent to them. Then take a mirror, inside, put the mirror in front of you and them, and feel those feelings of love beaming back to you.
1: <laughs> I love that. One of the things that I do is I literally just, um, I used to do it in front of the mirror. I don't do it as much in the mirror anymore, but I used to just stand in front of the mirror and just smile, just really, just smile with a, with a little giggle, a little laugh. Um, but now sometimes I'll just be, I'll find myself in like this state of mind that's just not really where I want to be. I'll be riding my bike or walking to school, you know, walking my son to school, whatever, or just driving and, in traffic, for goodness sake. And I'll just just laugh, just find something in my mind that I can laugh about and joyfully laugh and just laugh about it. And it just snaps me out of that, that mindset and that feeling. And then I start bringing on, you know, having more productive thought, thoughts and thought processes.
0: That's wonderful. Yeah, so I'll feel the feeling of love in my heart and just let it grow and just let it grow and grow and grow and grow in my body and it feels so good and so nurturing and I've made a practice now that before I talk to somebody I think about how I love them and it seems really cheesy and you might be listening to this thinking like what and like I'll do it for my employees too and it really changes the dynamic and so you know I'll get an email from somebody about something that's gone wrong and I'm like oh he shouldn't have done it that way that was silly and rather than replying in a way that's a little bit pissy or has a bit of an edge to it I will stop and just appreciate them mm. or think about you know my human love for them and it completely changes it completely changes how I respond to that person you know I respond instead with gratitude and with you know wonder for who they are And then, you know, whatever little error it is comes and goes by the wayside. And really what your employees need to know is that they're supported by you, that they're seen as human beings, that they are awesome because that's what allows people to flourish at their best.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And then, of course, in in those instances where mistakes were made and need to be corrected, at least they know that they – because the the contrast to that is – If you hadn't figured it out or they do make another mistake at some point in time, they try to cover it up or they don't trust, you know, that in you that you can support them or, you know, any any number of things can happen uh, as opposed to saying, hey, yeah, it was a mistake. Let's figure out how we're going to move forward with it. But you can more easily do that through that process of finding that connection with them. I love it.
0: Yeah. And mistakes are going to be made constantly Mm -hmm. in work. All the time, we're humans, we make mistakes. And if you respond badly to somebody's mistake, it's only going to make it worse in the relationship in the long run and probably lead to an employee who doesn't want to be working for you and so their work quality goes down. For sure. And when you can just accept that mistakes come and go and they're just part of an everyday workday process and just support somebody in making it better next time, then you have an, you know, then you have a system that improves and swings upward rather than downward. Absolutely. What are
1: you reading or listening to that you'd recommend to our abundant leaders and why?
0: Oh, I uh, recently finished Why We Sleep um, by Matthew. Okay, you're gonna have to edit this for a second. Give me a second while I get. No problem. While I get his. So I recently read Why We Sleep by Dr. Matthew Walker, and it is fantastic. Um, So with Muse, we've built a new set of features that actually help you fall asleep. They give you responsive soundtrack actually built from your body that entrains you in a way that's designed to help you fall asleep faster. And so we've been working with quite a number of sleep experts and sleep laboratories. And... um, I read why we sleep as part of this journey and why we sleep really explains the value of sleep, that poor sleep can lead to, you know, increases in cardiovascular disease, diabetes, basically every condition doesn't do well when you sleep when you don't sleep, pardon me. And uh, Matthew Walker just so beautifully and succinctly explains the value of sleep and how to get better sleep. It will, it'll be an eye opener that will want you to shut your eyes at 10 PM really effectively every night. This is
1: one of those interesting conversations because some people might ask, well, why I, I know sleep's important, but why do I need to know why we sleep? And for some of you out there knowing why we do certain things and why we have to do certain things and why certain things work. Sometimes you just appreciate it so much more and you're able to experience that much better. That's my experience anyway. What are your thoughts on that?
0: Yes, I mean I'm a neuroscientist um, and so I of course appreciated the value of sleep but it wasn't until I read the book that I truly understood like, the minutia of like why this is so valuable to our brain. And, you know, as an entrepreneur and as a mom, sleep is not something you get a ton of and you just, <laughs> you know, as a driven entrepreneur, it's like, oh, well, sleep is like, you know, whatever. Um, I sleep enough. I'm, I'm energized. It's OK. And then when you actually understand how sleep changes your satiety signals. So if you are, you know, struggling, trying to lose weight, sleep is actually incredibly important because when you don't sleep as well, it changes your. Your the way that your insulin is processed in your body, and it changes your satiety signal. So it's actually much harder to lose weight if you're not sleeping well. Sleep also uh, clears toxins from your brain during the course of the night, and so sleep can be poor. Sleep can lead to cognitive dysfunction down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, sleep has the ability to. Lead to an increase in hypertension poor sleep is the ability to lead to an increase in hypertension high blood pressure and when you start to sort of really get the science behind it you go like oh my god i'm never <laughs> missing a night of sleep again <laughs>
1: excellent excellent what do you feel holds most people back from living a life of true abundance
0: i believe it's because most people feel they are in some way unsafe unloved and unworthy And if we all truly knew, knew the honest fact that we are in our, you know, good daily lives that we have day to day, we are worthy, we are safe, we are loved, if we really got that, then there'd be nothing wrong in the world. Then we would just feel at peace. Then we would live in a place where we don't need to be afraid, where we don't need to feel like we're less than, where we don't need to feel like we constantly deprove ourselves or hold on to something because it might be gone tomorrow. You know, the reality is for, for the vast majority for everybody listening to this, like we live in amazing lives. There may be things that happen. I lost a friend this morning to cancer. You know, there may be stuff that happens in our lives. There may be divorce. There may be these things. That's normal. But that does not take away from your fundamental existence, which is of abundance. Mm. Yeah, from a absolutely. life that tomorrow can be different and will be different if you make the choice for it to be. It doesn't take away from the fact that the people around us are actually good people who are generous and caring, because that's generally what humans are. And when you allow yourself to recognize that, the world begins to shift for you.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely that's absolutely the fact. Uh, and, and yet another reason why I decided to start this uh, abundance, Men of Abundance podcast and Abundance journey in general and having and sharing these conversations because we just don't hear these conversations in mainstream media or, you know, otherwise because various reasons, you know, there's all kinds of different reasons out there. But the fact of the matter is there's so much more good in the world than otherwise And even when I think of things like recently, I was, you know, had some experience with people that were being bullied and adults get bullied as well. Um, When you look at the bully, they live in a scarcity mindset. They themselves have issues going on that need to be addressed. And sometimes if you approach the bully in a different in that with that mindset and say, hey, dude, what's going on? Let's go talk. You know you'll find out that they got some serious issues going on and they're just lashing out and trying to get attention themselves um i don't know if that directly relates to what we're talking about but it just came to mind when we were when you were saying that
0: um so there's a very funny interchange between sarah silverman she's a comedian um she's very vocal and bombastic, and it this wasn't meant as comedy so there was somebody who was trolling her and being really like abusive and unpleasant And she wrote back to this troll um, and said, I see you are in pain. Mm -hmm. And she started an interchange with him publicly over Twitter. And he eventually said, yes, I am in pain. I have tremendous back pain. um, And it's really debilitating to me. And she said, I hear you. I've had back pain too. It really sucks. And she said, where are you located? He gave his location in the U.S. And she tweeted out to her network and said, you know, are there any massage therapists in, you know, Idaho or wherever he was um, that can go and visit my friend because he's in pain? And she, through that interchange, took somebody who was really a bully, really lashing out, met him where he was at, recognized the pain, met the anger with compassion, and actually, in this very human way, helped him solve a real problem in his life Mm -hmm. and healed a little bit for everyone.
1: How amazing is that? That's exactly what I was talking about. (laughs) I love it. I absolutely love that. What does being— a woman of abundance mean to you?
0: It means not being afraid of life. It means not being ruled by the fears that are inside of me, because fear is the exact opposite of abundance. And fear is often, most often misplaced. You know, it is comes from the organ in our brain, the amygdala, um, that's scanning for danger and needs to feel the feeling of keeping us safe. And for me, I have so many images in my mind of why I am not safe. Movies that I watched as a kid where somebody comes into their you know, woman's room and wants to harm the woman. And these are not my reality. These were just images that did not belong to me and do not belong to me in this moment here, even if it was something that happened in my past. And so being a woman of abundance means not giving in to the false fears that follow me and recognizing my safety and my ability for love and my gratitude for this moment and being able to, with generosity and kindness and openness, support those who are around me to feel the same way.
1: Beautiful. Absolutely wonderful. Wonderful. Well, we're definitely going to have choosemuse.com linked up in the show notes. But before I let you go, what did we not talk about that you want to ensure that our abundant leaders get out of our conversation today? And how can we get more of you?
0: So I want everybody to know that you can make the choice to live in abundance right now because you already are. And your brain might be wired to scan for the things that are not abundant in an effort to keep you safe in ways that you do not need to be kept safe because you already are safe. So anytime your brain wants to go somewhere that's not serving you, somewhere somewhere that's not serving you towards your abundance, towards your higher good of being in the moment, being loved, being kind, being engaged, you know, living a life that is free from those fears, you can turn around and tell that fear you are just a fear. Thank you for trying to do whatever you're doing, but you can go away now. I'm actually safe and fine right here, right now. And you can make that choice over and over again to orient your heart towards love, peace, safety, and abundance.
1: Yeah, and you have to make that choice over and over again. It's yes. not a it's not a once, and done, a once and done. If that was the case, you could go to the gym once and, you know, be the fit. Perfectly fit person that you want to be. It doesn't or work. Or never that brush way. your
0: teeth again. And there not you go. At the dentist yet. Yeah,
1: it's just like taking a shower. You know, you got to do it every day, at least every other day. Come on, guys.
0: <laughs> yeah. And it retrains your brain.
1: Excellent. So, other than muse.com how else can we uh, get a hold of you on, on social media or anything of that nature?
0: Sure. So you can find out more about Muse at com, And you can find me in social media at Arielle's Musings on Instagram and Garten on Twitter.
1: Excellent. I'll have all that linked up in the show notes, guys. You don't have to worry about writing that down. Just go there, click on it, you'll get right to it. And uh, Ariel, excellent conversation. Absolutely love this. Um, even though we, we got kind of deep there for a little bit, um, totally in a calm sense and, and uh, state right now. I greatly appreciate that.
0: Thank you. This was beautiful.
1: All right, men of abundance. I just have one action step for you today. And that is to sit back, take a deep breath, take another deep breath, take several deep breaths. Okay, at some point you have to exhale too. (laughs) So go ahead and exhale after each breath. Now, focus on what is truly important in your life and in your family. What is truly important for you and for your family and while doing that, while focusing, consider what you have control over. The fact of the matter is, we don't have control over a whole lot. God is in control. And, not but, and we have an active role in whether or not, if we are fulfilled and happy. No other person can make you angry, can make you frustrated, or make you happy. Only you can do that. Your thoughts about a situation decide and control your emotions. Perfect example. When I'm driving down the road and somebody cuts me off, I can either make the choice of getting pissed off and get into some road rage, or I can say to myself, that person is in a hurry I have no idea what's going on in their life. They might be trying to get to the hospital to see a family member. They might be late for a wedding. They might be, you just don't know. You're speculating. I would be speculating. But nonetheless, I would rather speculate on something like that than to assume that this guy is just being an ass and has it out for me and it's a conspiracy against me personally. It's not. The individual doesn't even know me. There's no reason for me to think that. Now, this person might be somebody that's just rude, but I have no control over that. So why am I going to raise my blood pressure and put my life in danger and somebody else's life in danger by getting angry about it and allowing my emotions to take control of my actions over something that I'm assuming and didn't really even affect me in any way whatsoever? It does not affect the time frame that I'm going to arrive at my destination. So take a deep breath